Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 44. We are covering the Tour Championship on the PGA Tour and the Portugal Masters on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams and resident podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan returns. Good evening, chaps. Good evening, gents. Good evening, guys. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. Twitter handles, I'm at Bamford Golf, Paul at Golf Betting, Barry at A Good Talk Golf. We're available on Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn for Android, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM and Podtail. There's there's hundreds, well not hundreds, maybe, tens of ways, channels in terms of getting, in, getting our podcast. Naturally, subscribe, follow the podcast and spread the word. Right, um... There's so much to pack in, chaps. Um, we don't seem to have done a podcast. I know you, we did one, Paul, didn't we, for a couple of weeks ago. Barry wasn't available. Is that right? Yeah. I know, no, that was the one. Oh, we missed. didn't even yeah. do that, did we? Technical no, problem. I, 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 we've I, I, had uh, technical oh. problems at the uh, 11th hour. We had, the, uh, we had Boston finishing on a month. It's been, it's been a nightmare. But we're back to usual listeners. So there's going to be podcasts ongoing. Podcast this week, and we're going to also release a podcast next week. Uh, next week for the Ryder Cup, of course. What uh, what can we share with the listeners? Shall we share your run of good form, Paul, on the European Tour? That's that's a good starting point. Yeah, it's been going all right the last few weeks, isn't it? It's, uh, I, I, we didn't get to talk about Matt, Matt Wallace, did we, and the uh, fantastic uh, final round that he put together to win, what was it, three weeks ago now, wasn't it? Yeah. It's, um, I know um, you and I, I, don't, I can't remember if you were on him or not, Barry, but I know Steve, Steve and I were, were on him quite heavily and to, to see him come through and do what he did over those last few holes, having seemingly kind of played himself out of the tournament early on in the final round was, um, was incredible to watch, absolutely he, incredible. He must have been millions in running because he was so far off. Absolutely. Even when he got to the turn, and he there was the um, the par four, the drivable par four, and the par five, and he went bogey par on those two. And even at that point, any kind of lingering hope you had was uh, virtually extinguished. But then, just uh, he was on fire, wasn't he, for the rest of that round? Um, and then birdied both the playoff holes, and yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, usually, you know, we all know how golf betting goes, and often. You know, you're sitting on the other side of some kind of, uh, you know, performance like that. But um, to be on board with it is, uh, it's truly exhilarating. That's why we do the, uh, that's why we do this, uh, this mad game, isn't it? When he when he made that birdie on eight, birdie on eighteen in regulation, mm. you just got the feeling, didn't you? And right. you Bit kind of kn- teeth, well, we know Lee Westwood of old, don't mm. we? And none none of the putts were getting to the hole. Mm. So you know. Uh, is it Jigger Thompson? He was he was right in the mix, but inexperienced, yeah, yeah. no card guaranteed for next year. And was it it was it Stephen? Stephen Brown, yeah. Who I know that you've got lined up potentially for a tournament in the near future. So we'll we'll yeah. keep that under our hats. But you've got you've got an idea on that one. Mm. But yes, he then uh, at no point did I really think throughout the playoff that he wasn't going to actually win it. <laughs> no, no. He, he, he just had that momentum. He just had that bit between his teeth, didn't he? And he's, uh, he, he just wanted to win it. He just absolutely had to win it. So that kind of last gasp attempt to uh, to impress Thomas Bjorn, um, you know, which, which we all know fell flat on its face in the end. But um, he couldn't have possibly done any more whatsoever, could he? And that was, you know, as, as good as it was going to get to to round a tournament off and. Um, Oh, he's shown us what he's all about. You know, we, we already know he's a he's a winner. He's a, he's a born winner because of the because of the record he's got. You know, even these wins that he's got on the Alps Tour and you know three European Tour wins now. Yeah, they've all been at a relatively low level, but the guy knows how to get over the line. He absolutely knows how to get over the line. So from there, we then went. Uh, we went. Where, we went to help me. Oh, it's Kranz, wasn't it, for the Amiga European Masters. Yeah, and yeah, you had Lucas Biergaard, who yeah, then he put together another flying final round as well, didn't he? From a from a decent position, um, yeah. And he, he was my he was my biggest bet that week as well. Um, and that was you know you've gone from kind of the 
exhilaration of Matt Wallace producing that final round to, to seeing someone like Lucas put together what should have been a you know a, a, an event winning round and uh, it just got pipped by Matt Fitzpatrick who, who did a you know effectively did a Wallace on us didn't he he birded the last and uh, yeah. you know got, got got the job done in the uh, in the playoff and you know you, you go from the, the highs to the lows and then uh, then on to last week where uh, our, our Chinese friend Mr Wu um, produ- produced the goods at uh, 125 to 1 lovely little touch that one <laughs> your profit and loss that is just shocking yeah it's looking good for the year now so yeah it's getting uh, it's well over 350 up so yeah it'd be nice to get it close to 500 by the end of the year which would be <laughs> round about a uh, round about 100% return on investment if I can get there to 500 by the end so um, that's the target let's see if we can get and you've got a half decent record in this Portugal Masters haven't you yeah so have you uh, snared the winner here yeah, like Lucas Beargard won last year, didn't he? And I was uh, I was on him at sixty sixes, which was really nice because I, I, you know, you know, I, I backed Lucas quite a lot. I, I rate him as a player, and I'd kind of singled out this um, event as one that he really had a decent chance of winning, and um, it was great to see him get over the line. Um, and sixty sixes, given that he had come um, off of a you know, relatively strong performance at, uh, at Cran, Crans the week before it was uh, this time last year, well no two weeks before in fact, um, and uh, yeah sixty sixes I thought was an outstanding price which we got early doors and uh, I know he went off a little bit shorter than that but uh, yeah he, he put together a really assured performance last year. Naturally, he's been absolutely slaughtered in terms of price this year, so you kind of get in a 16, maybe a little bit of 18 to one about him. But um... Interesting tongue with that Portugal master. We'll cover that in a, in a short mm. while. I know from previous winners, just looking at previous winners, it tends to be a sort that's actually done, us, done something at a, at a higher level that can then turn up here and shoot the required low score to win. So that's something to... And, and with juicy winning prices, I know that's yeah, certain, certainly decent prices. Yeah, this, a lot of a lot of listeners will be uh, looking forward to uh, your views on that one. Mm. Um, what did we make of it? Oh, let, let's let's bring Barry in. What did you make of the captains' pick um, choices from the two respective captains for the Ryder Cup? Um, almost zero surprises. Mm. Like no drama, really. Um, the, it was like, Fury. Yeah. I mean, Fury. That was that was that. They were all locks, weren't they? Effectively, yeah. Uh, there was yeah. There was just no argument in it at all. And um, no. I mean, the, the more you looked into the information, you know, the details and uh, the stats between Fino and Shofale, it it was just uh, it wasn't even a contest. You know, that was that was the only real one that was being debated what's at all. And um, and of course the uh, the golf channel trying to make something of uh, Keegan Bradley's win, um, which was actually really impressive, uh, very very well finished off by him. Um, we all we've all seen we all saw Keegan Bradley playing very well recently, but I don't think anybody thought he was actually going to go and win a tournament. So well, he kept, he kept throwing in stupid rounds, didn't he? Really crazy yeah. low rounds, and then go backwards. But get this was the stat from last week, Barry, that really just blew my mind. Keegan Bradley, first for putts per GIR at the BMW, 1.54. I mean, that's not Keegan Bradley. That's not Keegan. He won that with a putter. Yeah, amazing. An interesting player. Uh, just looking at the Tour Championship this week, if there was one player that you would say is incredible value, not that I'm, I've tipped him, but one that kind of follows a... You know, we've, we, we have the Horshaw model, don't we, to win this. Yeah. Um, yeah. 50 to 1 on Keegan Bradley... That's not a bad price, is it? No, he'd be going in with extreme confidence. It's I, the thing I find very interesting is that it seems that you know, broad, in broad broad terms, himself and Webb Simpson have kind of figured out the the, mm. the non-anchored putting stroke. Yeah, um, yeah. roughly around the same time, it's um, it's coincidental. Make you wonder why you know if they've been talking, if they've gone to the same person just to get you know. What, Did what you actually, eyeball Bradley tr- winning? Did you eyeball how he's holding the the putter? Uh, no, I didn't focus in too much. Because I know with Webb, it was the claw grip. 
it was a, he, he got told that uh, the, the players' championship last the year before last, and from that point on, he started making um, progress with it. And if you look at Bradley, actually, and this is it, there has been some small improvements. You know, it's not regular, but you're not going to get that, are you? All of a sudden, he's putting like um, I think at Glen Abbey a few outings ago, he putted quite nicely. Mm. Uh, mm. He, I'm just looking at my statistics. Yeah, he was. He was fifth for putting average at in Canada, and he was also fourteenth at Ridgewood. So you know you could see that the putter was warming. But yes, I mean one hundred and ten to one. That was a that was a that was a bit of a shock win, wasn't it? Especially when I think a lot of you know hundreds or if not thousands of punters were on rows at fourteens. Mm. Painful. Well, clearly he got the uh, got the word, didn't he, that he'd become world number one as he was going into to the playoffs. So I think it's Caddy told him that. I heard. That, yeah, I mean that's it's kind of I can see why he did it, but I can also you know you can also it's just going to fry your the, mind right, the, right the, at that minute. Exactly the case to not you know tell him it can either spur him on to the win or uh, yeah as it happened it totally fried his head. Um, I mean it was you just don't expect Justin Rose to make that mistake in regulation though. No. From from the middle of the fairway where he was, um, you just don't expect that at all. What what are your views, or what are your views in terms of the uh, the picks on the European side? I mean, it, it was effectively looking back six into four spots, wasn't it? So you know, and it's it's Rafa, and it's Math Matt that have missed out effectively mm. on on the European team. What what's mm. your read on it? I think I think Rafa's the the one who could probably count himself the most unlucky. Um, mm. As well as Matt Wallace has done, the events he's won aren't super high profile. No. Um, you'd also be putting another rookie into the team um, yep. of quite a few rookies. Even even though a lot of the rookies we have are very high profile and proven players already, um, yeah. you just. With all the um, with all we know about the Ryder Cup, you do need that bit of experience. the The rookie factor, as we've said, isn't as huge a thing these days as it was in, you know, a, a, you know, say two twenty years ago. But um, I think there's you know a lot's been said about Sergio and what he does for the team spirit and the team environment, and I, I guess that's the the crucial thing there. You know, there's there's going to be a lot of rhetoric about how strong the US team is. And having somebody of you know Sergio's stature and, and what he can do in the team room is is a boost that you know Bjorn is deemed very important for the European side. Yeah, no, I think he was quite predictable in the end, wasn't it? And you know he clearly did go entirely with um, experience over over the rookies but um, I, you know for me and I, I, I follow you know clearly I follow the European Tour far closer than the PGA Tour you know I've, I've followed Matt Wallace um, through through his wins and um, there's just something about him he'll get into teams in the future and yeah, you know, yeah. clearly, clearly he was disappointed and clearly he felt that he'd done everything he possibly could and I think he did do everything he possibly could to to put his case uh, to, to Bjorn Um you know, I'd, I'd hope he gets taken along in some some capacity to get some experience of it, and uh, I think you'll see him in future teams for years to come. But uh, that would be. I was a bit disappointed for him. I must I must say I thought I I thought that given the form that Garcia has been in, um, and you know this little niggling injury doubt over over Stenson, and perhaps that's absolutely nothing. But uh, um, I thought he was a little unlucky, but. I think if um, if Cabrera Bello had converted that chance he had back at um, was Boston. it the, the Boston was it yeah. the Dell yeah yeah he yeah. was leading um, wasn't he it, you know and it was a fantastic position and then, yeah. and then four bogeys on the back nine yeah, absolutely you know and it's those little things that you could say well actually you know had he done that then he's you know again he's 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 really asking the question. Mm. Um, and that didn't happen. And you know, the flip side of that is when when Wallace was asked a question, he he produced the goods. You know, he reeling off birdie after birdie after birdie. And uh, yeah, wherever you are, whatever tournament you're playing, if you can get into the mindset where you're producing that kind of run, um, they're the kind of runs that win matches in the Ryder Cup. I had a quick look because we had, we had a lot of discussions about it on our Facebook group, didn't we? Golf betting system mm-hmm. Facebook group for listeners. We've uh, we've got a group on there. 
uh, knowledgeable golf punters and, and, and people that really enjoy their golf. I, I just worked it out quickly. If you looked at the um, official world golf ranking points that Wallace has accrued since the end of January and you compare them to Sergio and you compare them to Henrik Stenson, um, he's got he's won more points in mm. in you know very low grade events, yeah. which shows the ability the boy's got, and it also yeah. shows how badly Stenson and Garcia have actually been playing on a world stage where you know there's masses of uh, ranking points swilling around. Just okay, just to throw something into the spanner in the works here. Although Stenson and Garcia's form is, has been uh, suspect, to say the least, uh, for a large part of the season, mm. do you think an American going up against Garcia or Stenson would be less or more scared than if they were up against Matt Wallace? Mm. Yeah, fair point. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because one thing Wallace can do is he can putt. You know, he's, in, he's, he's a great driver of the ball, but he's a fantastic putter as well. What, what's one thing Sergio can't do at the moment? You know, if you've got a guy who's reeling off 10, 12, 15, 20 footers against you, mm. and then you've got another guy who's missing four footers, you know, I, I don't know it's a difficult one. I, I, I hope that Sergio proves me and a number of other people wrong and really mm. comes out and, and plays well. But yeah. Uh, we, yeah. we'll see look it's, it's I, I hope he's not I hope he's not nursed and doesn't play because if that's the you know he, he plays one or two matches and if that's the case you know, it's kind of almost well, backfired isn't it yeah absolutely the uh, it's it's always um, as much fun as it is doing Ryder Cup preview talks it's it's even more fun discussing the aftermath on both sides <laughs> of the, the thing so um, just get ready the next few weeks will be fun yeah I'm really looking forward to it. Actually. Yeah, it's, well, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a great event. Always is. Mm. Should we talk to a championship? Let's talk to a championship. Mm. Top 30 in the FedEx Cup. Clearly a, an absolutely rammed field full of yeah, top, top quality in terms of the world elite. Um, Rose is the favourite this week, or joint favourite, with um, Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy. Uh, the best price you will get on those three is nine to one. Uh, then we've got the likes of defending FedEx Cup champion Justin Thomas at 12s, Tiger Woods, who's been backed in at 14s, Kepka at 14s, uh, Deshambo and Matsuama and Fowler and Tony Finau at 20 to one. The rest uh, 25 to one and bigger. The likes of Molinari, Fleetwood, Jason Day. You know, just reading those names, it's clearly um, a very, very exciting event. Um, East Lake, one of those, um, one of those courses. I think um, I, I, I do like to watch a tournament around here. It's the kind of course um, where the best in the world have to work for their birdies. They have to work for their scores. Um, in terms of course conditions this week um, we're looking in terms of it's going to be totally different from what we saw at Ridgewood it's going to be totally different from what we saw um, last time out at Ronamink I think it's going to be quite firm and fast I think it's going to play to how organisers want it to play a little bit firmer on the greens you know 12 and a half stimp uh, we're talking mini verdi ultra dwarf bermuda grass greens they're fast, they're undulating. They're, it's a Donald Ross design. It's also had a makeover from the Open Dr. Reese Jones. So it's a tough, tough golf course. Um, and Ross designs, by their nature, tiered greens, um, tiered usually back to front. Um, you, you read various uh, player interviews, downhill putts, even 10, 12 footers here are, are, are a beast. They don't become birdie opportunities. Um, you're putting for par even from 10, 12, 14 feet down here or here. And that starts to frustrate certain players. And you, you read a lot of interviews here. It's a real strategic um, shot makers golf course where you've got to uh, be particularly patient to make your scores because it's very, very easy to make a lot of uh, bogeys on the golf course, you know, which stretches out circa 7,400 yards as a par 70. So it's not an easy golf course. Um, for me... And I've you know looking into this, 
you know, winning scores here. Xander won here at 12 under last year. McElroy, 12 under in 16. 9 under for Spieth in uh, 2015. Horschel was 11 under in 14. The lowest we've seen recently was Stenson on a, in a on a course that was quite soft on the Sunday. He shot 13 under. So that just shows you the kind of target It's all score. quite consistent yeah. though, isn't it? Very consistent. I think the course can be managed. There's not much variation. No, I think mm. the course can be managed. You know, they can turn up the... They can turn up the um, the the wick in terms of the greens if they need to. Uh, the rough can be particularly gnarly around here, and um, we're talking zoysia grass again this uh, this week. And as we know, a lot of players don't particularly get on with zoysia grass, mm. um, and it's a grass that a lot of players that grew up in the south or the southeast of America play quite well on. So Floridians. Uh, Carolina and Georgia and you know players though who have, have grown up playing golf courses with zoysia grass you know even Tennessee um, Louisiana they do tend to have a very good record around here so that's something potentially to, to build in um, it's difficult isn't it it's always difficult on a, um, a tournament which is 30 players uh, to get value in terms of odds um, one thing, I, one thing that's worth highlighting to listeners this week. This has never happened at the Tour Championship before, but Paddy Power have gone a genuine six places each way, a fifty odds at the Tour Championship this year, which for a thirty-man field is a phenomenal offer. Twenty yeah, percent of the field, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's generally four places at a quarter, isn't it? Or well, yep. it has been for a number yeah. of years. So. Absolutely. To push it through to six and a fifth is, uh, yeah, that's pretty strong. And, so really have, interest, and interestingly, like their prices themselves aren't actually that bad. You'd think that their prices would be chopped to, to shreds, but they're uh, they're reasonably competitive. Well, one of my tips of the three is best price at the moment with them. So yeah. you're getting best price and six places each way of 50 odds. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? Mm. Um, so that's certainly worth looking at uh, in terms of uh, this week's punting. What kind of angle would you guys be taking on this tournament? I mean, i tell you where I've headed with this, and you, you can kind of see it. I'll just read you through the winning prices. I mean, last year was an absolute um, brainstormer in terms of just completely blowing trends, but Chauflet was 100 to 1. McElroy won this at thirteen to two in sixteen. Spieth at nine to one. But then we got the likes of Horschel at twenty fives, Stenson at sixteen, Snedeker at forties. If you actually look at the average, of the last eight renewals, it's thirty three to one the winning price here. Last uh, four renewals, so since they turned the, the seasons on their head, thirty five to one is the average winning price. So potentially there's a little bit of value to be had with players lower down. Uh, the actual market, if you want to go down that route, and that's that's something I've kind of tapped into. But something really obvious just came to me when I was thinking about this last week on holiday, and just thinking through, you know, how this tends to play out. Fifteenth, sixteenth, thirty seventh, thirty third, thirteenth, forty second, and twentieth. That's the incoming form from the BMW Championship across seven of the last eight winners. There's yeah. not there's not a top ten in there. It's not exactly sparkling, is it? The one that goes against that was our friend Billy Horschel, Billy Ho, who went second at Boston, first mm, at the BMW, and then won this at Eastlake to win the FedEx Cup and the 10 million. So it has been done. Trends do get broken. But when you're seeing seven of the, par- the, seven of the past eight, uh, none of whom have got a top 10, and you're seeing a lot of the, you know, the big names up there, Justin Rose, Rory McIlroy coming off a top four, um, Tiger Woods coming off uh, a decent finish at the BMW. It's not filling me with enthusiasm to back them. No, and they're skinny old prices as well at the top, aren't they? Skinny prices indeed. I think given the nature of the course, it's a it's a tough, tricky, technical test, isn't it? And it, for me, it kind of lends itself more to the, um, the the more experienced or the the more um, kind of major adept type players, I think, yep. is mm. the way I'd say it. Those, yep. those who've got the mentality, or experience, or you know, potential, uh, maybe to to 
to win majors or you know multiple majors in their career. That's the kind of person I see producing the goods here. If you look at the um, if you look at where players have done well, and you know again Xander from last year kind of blows everything out of the water, except. If you think where Xander did play well last year, it was at the US Open, wasn't it? And we can all argue about, you know, Erin Hills and was it a genuine US Open, blah, blah, blah. But actually, um, he finished fifth at Erin Hills and this year he backed up, didn't he, with sixth at Shinnecock. So he's a US Open-style player. McElroy's won at Congressional. Jordan Spieth won at Chambers Bay. Billy Horshaw, his only major top ten was at Merion in the US Open that Justin Rose won. Henrik Stenson, he's finished fourth and, and ninth in US Opens recently. Schneds, we know that Schnedeker's got a, a decent record in US Opens. And you even go back clearly to Jim Furyk, who's a US Open yeah. champion. So if there's one major t- title that winners around here have got format, it's the US Open. And I know um, when I've looked at this, I've built that into my calculations. I'll tell you who I've gone with. Um, for a little bit of value, I could not resist this morning. Bubba Watson at fifty to one. Yeah, it's a good price. Um, if you think of Bubba, he has he has in the past, but way back in the past, got a U.S. Open top top five. I think it was. Um, I think uh, at Torrey Pines from memory, somewhere like that. Um, we also know with Bubba, he's got a particularly strong association with Georgia clearly this is East Lake Golf Club played in um, East Atlanta Georgia and two winners two uh, two wins at the Masters and he's also got two top fives around here mm. and another another route into this that I, I liked and when you looked into this uh, strokes gained off the tee in the BMW previous Chauflay was 10th at the BMW McElroy was 7th, Horshaw was 13th, and Stenson was 7th in the 70-man field at the BMW. And if I just look from last week, uh, McElroy was... Uh, sorry, from the BMW. These, these weeks and holidays are getting away, don't they? Huh. Strokes going off the tee. McElroy was 1st, Tony Finau 2nd, DJ 3rd, Patrick Cantley 4th, DeChambeau 5, Kepka 6, Rose 8, Bubba Watson 9. So he's hitting the ball well off the tee... It's a shot shapers golf course, ball strikers, and his putter was quite warm for Bubba last uh, last week. I think he was in the top fifteen for putts per GIR. And if you actually look at him, um, shot one over in the uh, first round. So I, you know, I was yeah, cursed. Him and, cursed slowly, it. It? and at the BMW Championship, that's a no-no. You have got to be on the pace, mm. right from the off, like Bradley was, like Rose was. But then from there, um, he shot fourteen under or 15 under, across the final three days. And I know that he, he shot 131 on the weekend, which was only a shot shy of the very best, who were shooting 10 under 130 across uh, the weekend at Conway, uh, not Conway Farms, at Aronimink. So he's clearly playing some nice golf bubba. We know that he can play on Zoysia. He's got a couple of top fives here. He just grabbed me as a player. Just to run you through that, Bradley, Horschel, Simpson and Hadwin were shot 10 under across the weekend at Aronimink. And then you had Rose, McElroy, Woods, Fleetwood, Molinari, Watson, DeChambeau, Kepka, Johnson, all shot 9 under 131 across the weekend at Aronimink. So um, I just think Bubba is totally and utterly overpriced yet again at 50 to 1 for a man that's won three times on the PGA Tour this year. Yeah. No, I think you look down that bracket and you've got the, the, the favourites right at the very top and then you've got the next it's kind of sway the guys around about the 20 to 1 point. And then um, you jump down to these guys who are around about 50 to 1 and you know, there's a few, I mean, it's, it's a quality field, isn't it? So you're going to, you know, you can you could probably build a, a partial case for most of these guys, but um, yeah, well, Bubba does stick out. Why, I know, why would Paul Casey and the way that he's playing at the moment be 40 to 1? And Bubba Watson was fifty to one this morning. Yeah, I, that doesn't compute for me, even though I know Paul Casey's got a decent record here. No, no, no. So you yeah, Bubba, Bubba for me. That's 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 sure. I know around that price point, Barry. There's a couple of players that you're interested in again this week. Do you want to do you want to go through? 
yeah. Um, so, like I said for the last few weeks, no surprise. I'm still on Woodland. This is like last chance saloon for him to to make me happy. He. Uh, Oh, there's a you lot can't of, let him go, Barry. I, can you? I can't now. I mean, crikey! Like I, I, I've heard of Tony Finau truthers, but Gary Woodland truthers. Uh, that are really, that's really out there. Well, that's wacky. Got, my that's like a that's like being a Matt Every truther. My tinfoil hat is very heavy and compressing my vertebrae in my neck. Um, Gary Woodland. He is. Uh, he was. He's tenth it, per your rolling rankings, Steve. He's tenth in driving accuracy. He's yep. fourth in greens and regulation. His problem, his problem is putting. Now he has one win on tour on Bermuda, so that's yeah. I've got that going for me. And for the season, he's nineteenth in strokes gains tee to green. And this is my angle this week: is tee to green, um, yeah. absolute quality ball strikers. And because the scoring round here is never really deep, um, I don't think you need to be an unbelievable putter and be making a shed load of birdies. You just need to make yeah. your fair share. So. Hoping Gary can up his putting to a somewhat reasonable week um, to to make it happen, but you know, happy to take him on at uh, what did I get him at forty five to one six places with Paddy Power in a 30, 30 man field. That kind of makes sense for me. He's he's been doing all the right things to to make his game uh, go to the next level. Uh, putting coach, mind coach. So it's um, you know, I'm happy to take on that bet. Again. Yeah, he's, he's been kind of flattering to deceive, isn't he? Because he, he's been getting into some positions and, yeah, you know, at various points in rounds or various points in tournaments, he's been, uh, you know, on the fringes of doing something something special and not quite converting. But, you know, you could have said the same about uh, Keegan Bradley and, you know, we, we all know what happened uh, a couple of weeks back. So, Well, here's hoping. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. Of the short, in that kind of mid-price bracket, I had three that I had paid particular attention to. Um, one was Bryson DeChambeau, one was Webb Simpson, and one was Tommy Fleetwood. Mm. And I know that I haven't included Tommy Fleetwood, but I know that you have, Barry. I did. He has yeah. got a very good fit for this event. That's, that's undoubted. And we were talking about that US Open link, weren't we? Yeah. Mm. I Mr. Do like US that. Open, Tommy Fleetwood, yeah? Yeah, the ability just to grind it out a bit. Um, his his consistency is amazing. Like I'm just looking at his PGA Tour page. He's had one miscut all year. And mm. anything else he's played in, you know, it looks like it's worst is a top 35. So he's not fading away on the weekend he's he's there his game is just of, at, at another level and even though his price I, I backed him on the exchange at 30s just to get a little bit just to get a couple more points on him mm. but he, it would still be a slight surprise if he won you know in not quite to the extent of show for the last year but you know he hasn't won on the PGA tour so his biggest win is the the open to France last year the Rolex event and he ha- he just seems to be bubbling under for that uh, that PGA Tour breakout win and uh, you know things are looking well in his game. Twelfth in driving accuracy, seventh greens and regulation, seventh in putting for the last you know the ten week rolling. He's thirteenth on the tour in strokes gained tee to green for the year. There's a lot of really good things to be said for him. Um, so he he was sixth for total driving and fourth for ball striking at the BMW, which again are very nice stats around here. That kind of strokes gained off the tee also relates to um, to total driving as well, because I'm mm. seeing Stenson first, Horschel first, McElroy fifth, and Shoflay tenth in that BMW for total driving the week uh, the outing before they won here. So if you're looking yeah. at this from a total driving perspective, McElroy was fourth at the BMW. Uh, Rose was second. Tony Finau was first. Bryson DeChambeau was second. Fleetwood was sixth. So yeah, he fits like a glove. Patrick Cantlay was seventh. And Tiger was fifth. So that's a potential, you know, another angle in. I can see Fleetwood going extremely well this week. Yeah, McCall should suit, shouldn't it? Mm. It should be right up his alley. Yeah, I'd, and he's loved over in the States. He really yeah. is. If he can get himself in the mix there, um, 
Now they'll be supporting him, even though they'll be uh, they'll be rooting against him in a couple of weeks' time. And the <laughs> fact that he hasn't played there, I think that's added a couple of points to his price. But we know that Xander won on debut. Um, mm. We know um, that Henrik Stenson won on course debut back in 2013. So it's more than achievable. You know, you don't have to have played hundreds and hundreds of rounds around here to win. So I think that's a, I think that's a decent angle. I really do. Um, the two I've gone for, um, I've gone for Bryson. I tell you what I, I do like about this tournament. Um, if, you, if, you, if you look at it from a TPC Boston perspective, this is pretty un- uncanny. Um, Snedeker was sixth at Boston the year he won. Stenson won it. Horschel was second. Rory McIlroy was first. And last year, Justin Thomas finished second in this. And I kind of think, you know, going down the stretch, he had half an eye on the FedEx Cup rather than on winning the tournament because he didn't need to. He, he won at uh, Boston as well, the year he finished second here. So if you extrapolate that and you, you can look at top six, top six, top seven finishers this year in Boston, um, we've, we've got a scenario where um, I'm looking at the likes of DeChambeau, Justin Rose, Cameron Smith, Tony Finau, Matsuama, and Bubba Watson and Dustin Johnson, who are in the top seven this year. So I've got Bubba already on board. And for me, DeChambeau, I just think 20 to 1 about DeChambeau in a field that's clearly no different to where he won at Ridgewood and where he won also at Boston. I just think that's a decent price. You know, he, he's actually a longer price than Tony Finau this week, which I, again, I'm seeing um, short of 16 to 1 about Fino. I, I'm, I'm finding that difficult when I'm seeing DeChambeau at 20 to 1. And who's the proven winner? Who, who's been ice cold in contention the last month or so? Gary Woodland. <laughs> it's t- <laughs> it's, t- it's, t- it's Rafa t- Cabrero Bell? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is it. So, you know, 20 to 1, I'm quite happy with that. For a guy that's won two of the three FedEx Cup oh, He's quality, wins. isn't he? He's absolute quality, you can say that. Uh, and he, he fits the bill, doesn't he? He eats par fives, decent on par fours, he's strategic, you know, the scientist. Um, I, can, I can see him going very well. The third pick has been inspired by Paul Williams. I'll blame Paul for this one. And he's, <laughs> a, he's in such good nick at the moment, listeners. Why the fuck wouldn't you listen to him? So you might as well talk through him, Paul. Because I know, I know you're all over him like a rash. Webb, yeah, I, I, I think he's for me. He, he was he was the first player that I punted on for this, and mm. uh, you know, you and I talked about it after the back end of the BMW, and you know, for me, it just fits like a glove. You're talking about a, a U.S. Open champion, U.S. Open um, type uh, player who can, uh, can, you know, he can hold himself together when you know you're on a tough course and grinding out pars. You know. Webb's been there and done it. You know, he's, he's got that title to his name. You know, I, I know you talked about not needing um, hot incoming form, but sick for the BMW is, you know, he's it, 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 it strong enough, I think. Yeah, and it was backdoor, wasn't it? He was never in the heat of the battle. Yeah. It, it, was yeah that, exactly. it was that amazing final round he had when he was paired with Tiger Woods. They both shot five under 65s. And we've said this, Barry said it in the past, we all say it. Players take things from... And for him to shoot the same score as Tiger Woods, five under 65 in the same pairing as him on the final day, Mm. Mm. I think he'll take a lot from that. A lot of confidence. A lot of confidence. And and there's a different type of pressure playing with Tiger, isn't there? You're not just playing the golf course anymore. You're also playing the crowd. You're playing the... The man and the you know the the, the whole circus that goes with it mm. as well. So to to you know some players just fall apart, don't they? Some players just can't handle it. Yeah, and he and he um, played beautifully. Yeah, very strong. You know, you go back a little bit further. Was a second at the Wyndham. Um, you know, obviously won the players. And, and again, you know, in terms of correlating types of courses that demand a, you know a, a strong tee to green game, Bermuda greens, you know, Patience. a, a, a technical yeah, exactly, a, a technical test, one that can't just be overpowered, one that can't you know that requires some some strategy. Then uh, you know, Sawgrass is a is a good correlation for this, I think. Mm, um, totally. You know, and he's and you talked about his putting earlier. You know, he's clearly um, moved on from you know from putting woes to being able to contend with. Um, 
you know, some of some of the better play, better putters out there. He's still not the best putter on tour by any stretch, but um, you know, if when he's hitting fairways and he's hitting greens, then he's uh, I think he can contend in this kind of uh, this con- this this kind of uh, event. For sure. The other thing is, uh, and I this is a uh, a quote that I put in my um, preview this week from Chris Kirk, and he said this just after he'd won at Boston. They said mm. to him, uh, he was in the top five of the FedEx Cup at the time. They said, um, you know, what course correlates to this in your mind? He's, and he's within, you know, seconds, Boston. Because uh, with this golf course, you don't play many wedges. You're playing with mid-irons into the greens, which is similar to Boston. And if you look at Webb Simpson, where's he won? He's won at Boston. And he was the 36-hole leader at Boston this year. And then he fell apart. But yeah, he, right. he has been showing some really positive signs. He's seventh this season for strokes game putting. I mean, that is unbelievable. Yeah. If, I go back to, if I go back two seasons to 2016, I'm scrolling down, chaps. I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. <laughs> Webb Simpson, 177th out of 185. So in two seasons, he's turned it from one seven seven to seventh for strokes gained putting. Yeah, that's literally upside down, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, literally upside down. So those are my three. Any other players we want to mention? The the only reason I can't back Webb is because I can't stand the guy. <laughs> it, <laughs> that's fair it, enough, isn't it? It all makes so much sense. I mean, this goes right. This goes back to before he devastated me uh, by beating Harrington at a. Um, Olympic, uh, yeah, yeah, Olympic, yeah. Olympic, Olympic, yeah, the yeah, Olympic, the Olympic, Olympic, Olympic club, yeah. Club, yeah. Now look, Harrington kind of defeated himself a little bit, but I still put the blame fully on Webb. Um, you know, that's quite rational. I think you'll agree. Yeah, uh, cool. So, um, I have one more pick, and he's at a, a very nice price for uh, somebody who seems like the kind of guy that might have a major in him in his future. Um, it's Patrick Cantley. And I got him at 40 to 1, which is uh, a, a really nice pricing. Not great last week, but did put in a pretty ju- pretty nice 65 in round two. Uh, but there's a lot of good things going for him um, this year. So in the rolling stats, he's 14th in driving accuracy, 2nd for greens and regulation, 17th for putting. But across the whole season, he's 4th in strokes gained, T to green. Um I think you know he's he's won back in the Shriners in November, and just playing a tiny bit on the angle that he might be motivated to make a statement, having missed out on getting into the Ryder Cup team. And he wasn't fully in the conversation, but I think in his head he'll probably think he he should have been a, he should have been there in the conversation. So playing a little bit on that angle too, um, and so for he's another one for the future, isn't he? He's another one that's going to get into yeah. teams further down the line. He, so. He's a serious player, and uh, yeah. yeah, so he um, tends to go better on the more technical courses as well. You know, Riviera. He, he's yeah. had two decent runs at uh, TPC Sawgrass, which is Paul quite rightly correlating course. Yeah, for um, sure. He, he, if you look at his form in the playoffs, eight twenty fourth, fifty fifth. But I tell you what, you know, we were talking about that strokes gained off the tee and we were talking about total driving. Mm. It's no surprise that I mentioned Cantley in both of those at the BMW. So he fits yeah. like a glove as well. His putting was absolutely atrocious yeah, at the BMW. So 67th um, yeah. of 69 for putting average. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that doesn't good. mean jack because we know that can turn in, an eye, in a blink. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, happy to be on that at 40 to 1 and uh, hopefully finish the season with a win of some sort. Well, the decent uh, each way places we're getting this week, you know, any of these guys at this kind of level, um, you know, if, you, if you're talking top five, top six, depending where you placed your bet, mm-hmm. you've got a, got a fairly good chance of getting something back, I think. Do you want to talk Portugal Masters, Paul? Because I know clearly a lot of listeners will have been ignoring the last 25, 35 minutes <laughs> and all they want to hear are the names that you're about to tell us. Oh, no, no pressure this To be thing, fair, no. Barry and I might as well not be on this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and as as you all, both of you know, and everyone who's listening knows, these uh, little runs of form that you get with uh, golf punting, punting uh, soon disappear. So uh, ride the wave. Uh, yeah, absolutely. When it's good, you know, 
be happy and enjoy it when it's bad remind yourself that um, these things can turn and uh, yeah. good times hopefully yeah, not too far away fingers crossed this, and so, Barry yeah, you know, Bar- Barry's saying he's, he's, he's on a bad run he's the guy that picked out three of the four major champions this year oh I know he's, he's had a fantastic year Barry I think, so there we go. I think he's just playing it down really yeah uh, recency bias it's uh, str- strongly against <laughs> me <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's talk Portugal then. So um, we're off to Villamora again, which uh, we've seen since 2007 when this event started and the Victoria Golf Club uh, over there on the Algarve. So um, the Arnold Palmer design, it's par 71. We've seen it quite a lot, haven't we? It's a, it's a lovely resort track, 7,146 yards, um, low scoring, um, flat exposed, wide fairways, big greens, um, Really, for me, it's about avoiding the water, hit lots of greens, make lots of putts, get yourself down to this kind of twenty under level that tends to be yeah. um, in the in the vicinity of um, you know contention. Depending, you know, on any given year, if it's a little bit windier, a little bit soft, a little bit firm, and then you know you can get some variations in the um, in the winning score. But you know, in the last few years, uh, Lucas. Uh, Beargard won at uh, 20 under last year and you know generally you're getting that kind of number you've gone as deep as 23 under when um, Andy Sullivan I think it was won at 23 um, but yeah generally if you're in that kind of bracket um, Sunday afternoon you're going to be um, in with a shout now as I say some of it will depend on the conditions and we are going to get decent conditions here this year um, it's going to be hot and sunny Wind maybe up to 10, 12 miles an hour in the afternoon. So what you tend to find here is um, you often get uh, nice calm mornings and a little bit of wind picking up in the afternoons. But there's not likely to be anything serious here. So I'm yeah I'm anticipating that kind of um, 20 under bracket being where you want your player to be. Uh, you know as we've got coming into the last hour or so on Sunday and uh, see how they fare when push comes to shove um, over the final few holes. I tell you what I've taken from your preview that I've, I've handily had sent to me. You know, mm. when you're looking at, and this is what we said at the top of the show, Biergaard, he he'd shown plenty of decent form at some nice events before winning here. Harrington, well, you don't need to talk about that. Andy Sullivan was a, he'd won um, a couple of times in South Africa before winning this, hadn't he? That's right. Alex Leve, you know, David Lynn. That I think 2013 was the season he went really well in the States, wasn't it? And then he came over here and everyone's thinking, oh, he's a technical golf course, you know, four under, five under. He goes and wins yeah. this at 18 under. It's, that's a resort golf course, isn't it? But there's, a, there's, yeah. there's something You've in there. You've done well to pick Lynn out, I think. There, yeah. There's something in there, though, that shouts a little bit of quality. But I know that you're excited about it, and so should listeners, in terms of winning prices of this. Well, it is, if you go back, I mean, if you go back to, I've got back to 2010 here. Um, so 2010, Richard Green, 50 to 1. Tom Lewis, 100 to 1 in 2011. Uh, Larry was 66s the year after. David Linney, you just talked about, was 80 to 1. Mm-hmm. Um, despite having a, a decent year, as you said. Alex Levy, 70 to 1. Uh, Sullivan's 50s. Harrington was 100 to 1. And we've seen with Harrington, when he comes back from uh, the States, he can often just pop up in these events. Very nearly won um, the three weeks ago, didn't he? And then uh, then again was in, in contention last week as well. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you can never quite write him off, can you? And, no. and Lucas was 66s last year. So um, going back to 2010, you've not got a winning, winning price of under 50 to 1 here. Um, and I think, you know, often with these resort-style tests, and um, you often say see similar over on the PGA Tour as well, Steve, um, it's often often drives a different type of winner, often drives a longer prize, um, and it often comes down to who hits the most greens, who makes the most putts on the week, and that doesn't necessarily always translate to the, um, to the bookies' favourites. Um, and, you know, I think when you look at the history of that and... You could get stuck with the top of the market, and you know I've backed Lucas loads over the course of this. You know I've backed him loads, full stop. But um, I've backed him quite a bit over the course of this season, and he's the defending champion. He's coming in off the back of three uh, straight top tens. He was you know lost in the playoff the last time out. Uh, he's, he clearly loves this track. He he got two consecutive top twelve finishes before winning last year. Um, I was all over him last year, but I can't take him at eighteen to one this year. No. Um, simply because the history there suggests it doesn't lend itself to that kind of winner. 
Um, you know, and we talked about trends being broken, and perhaps it's, this is the week that the trend will be broken for this. But uh, you've got the likes of Lucas there at 18, you've got Olsen at 16 to 1, the favourite, and you know, we've talked ad nauseum about backing Olsen or not backing Olsen at the short price. Um, because he just doesn't convert enough to to justify those uh, those prices. Chris Wood, who, you know, arguably could should have won last week. You know, thankfully he didn't. But uh, you know, he had a, a had a healthy lead at one point on the back nine. You know, had a chance on the final green, didn't he? And uh, over overrun his putt, going for the win, as he said um, in his uh, interview afterwards. But again. 18, you get a little bit of 20 to 1 about Chris Wood. But, you know, I just I can't, can't stumble that. Schwartz or Sergio's coming here for the first time, 22 to 1. It'd be fascinating to see how Sergio, Sergio goes this week. You know, he could dispel a lot of, uh, uh, you know, he, he could put to bed a lot of the conversations about his form if he was to go and win or seriously contend here. He misses the cut and, you know, the questions are going to be uh, re-raised that were raised a, a week or so ago, aren't they? So... Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I and mean, for me, it's it's the type of track where you've got to score heavily on the three par fives. You've got a reachable par four there. Um, most of the scoring is quite consistent for most of the players on the par five. So you tend to find a differentiator between the players that really contend and those that kind of also rounds tends to be how they perform the par fours here. Um, assuming they have kind of an average uh, performance in the par fives during the course of the week. So um, I'm looking for decent players and par fours. Um, Lucas last year coming into this, he'd been showing some fantastic form from a total driving perspective. And I think if you're going to score heavily on the fours, you're going to score heavily on the par fives, which you've got to, you know, you've got to be up there with everyone else. Um, then you need to be hitting it long enough and straight enough to be able to give yourself chances in these scoreable holes. So... Uh, coming in with some decent total driving stats um, are is pretty strong, you know, pretty strong indicator in, in my opinion. And then you've got to be able to make a few putts when you get on the greens. You don't necessarily have to be the pe- best putter in the world. Lucas isn't the best putter by any stretch, but when you hit, you know, eighty odd percent of greens in regulation, putt yourself at uh, you know one point seven or thereabouts, then um, you're going to put yourself in the uh, in the mix. I think. Um. I've backed four, and actually, I haven't published my final preview, but these are the four I'm going to go with, because I've, I've been around the houses with it a bit today, and I'm not going to go any further and, or any deeper with this, I don't think. Um, and I'm sticking with the, the, the theory that we've uh, we talked about in terms of the winning score. I've not gone for anyone lower than 50 to 1, uh, despite the temptation with some of the guys that are down there. Matt Wallace is playing. He's 33 to 1, you know, and he's about 10th favourite in this field. And... You know, of the players that are there, he could easily go and win this again. You know, he pulled out of the last event through um, through tiredness, fatigue, as he said. Um, you know, he's come back out to play. There's no reason why he couldn't go and win this. But if history is a good indicator of what's going to happen here, then I suspect it is going to be a player a little bit further down the field. And mm-hmm. um, so, my my first. We're, we're waiting, Paul. We're waiting. <laughs> Come on. I, I, have all, I have all my bookies accounts open right now. I know. He's got he's got all 17 accounts. Oh, is it 13? 13 accounts <laughs> open here, Paul. Oh, sadly, it looks like the battery is just about to go in this uh, recording device I've got here. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know who one of them is. I've already backed him, but anyway, go on. Yeah. Um, my my favourite uh, bet this week is Jordan Smith, who... Comes in with progressive form, 36th, 20th, 10th. Um, mm. The key for Smith, I think, is that he's sitting bang on number 60 in the race to Dubai. Mm. So you kind of get into this point of the season now where these players need to um, jostle for position to get themselves into uh, in, into the big money events at the back end of the season and, of course, to the, uh, to the Dubai World Championship itself. And sitting in 60th spot, he is bang on the bubble. So he needs to continue to perform. He needs to defend and improve that position over the course of the next few weeks. Um, you look at his total driving over the last few weeks, and it's reminiscent, very strong, very similar to how Lucas came in last year. So his last three events read 6th, 20th, 1st in terms of total driving. Third for scrambling last week. But the key and the big thing with Jordan Smith is when he's not contending, you look at his putting stats and he's kind of putting at 1.88, 1.92, 1.93. 
the last three events, these three events where he's gone out and finished 36th, 20th, 10th, he's been putting at 1.75 or better. Mm. So when he's putting at 0.15, 0.2 better than his kind of, his plodding average, then you know that he's in the kind of, this game's in the kind of state where he can seriously contend. Mm. So he's got his one win. His one win was against, uh, was when he beat Alex Levy. Obviously, Alex Levy's won a, won a Portugal Masters in the past. Uh, which uh, you know again if you're kind of correlating different form from different events then that this European opening win from last year from Smith where he beat, beat Levy um, may be a good indicator we've talked about Matt Wallace's um, win record as well but Smith's is you know is not far off the same kind of uh, level actually five wins altogether at all levels out from 92 starts that's you know that's pretty strong as well isn't yeah. it so there's loads to like with him, I think. Loads to like. Interesting. And this, t- you know, August last year. Don't forget, and what and this is what we were saying about someone that's just shown a little bit of class. Don't forget, ninth at the PGA Championship in America last year. That was the event after he won the European Open. Yeah. No, there's something about the boy, isn't there? He's a quality. He's a quality, quality player, Jordan Smith. Yeah, absolutely. There's, and when he's in this kind of ball striking, total driving, you know, and he's he's hitting the ball well from tee to green, which he is. He's you know he's been he's been far stronger over the last few weeks, and he combines that with some decent form with a putter. Um, yeah, I I think he can win lots of you know, lots of decent tournaments, not necessarily sport tournaments. He was first. He was like he was first for all round at the KLM Open and eighth for driving yeah. distance. He can bang it. Mm. He can yeah, he he can eat up the par fives here. He can you know the par four the driver par four. Um, mm. You know he he can be scoring heavily on those holes, and uh, you know if he can make enough putts around the rest of the course, he can get to the kind of scoring level that uh, yeah. that I think you need to contend here. He's the play, and, he's the player I've backed. Yeah, definitely. I can yeah, see George. I, I, the, the only thing with. Smith is that he's playing this for the first time. But if you look, Tom Lewis won this on debut. Alex Levy won it on debut. Um, it's a straightforward track, you know. If it's a, a tricked-up track where yeah. you need the experience having played it a few times, then then sometimes you can look at these debutants and think, well, no, it's you know, I, I can't quite see what, it. But what, what do they say on the PGA Tour? It's right in front of you. It's all in yeah, front exactly. of you. So it, that's not an issue. Is it? No, not not for me, not for me. So Smith, um, I've also gone for Nacho Elvira, um, who's is uh, another one who's been banging on the door, um, and he's banging on the door louder and louder this season, definitely. Um, so his four time win on the Challenge Tour, um, and if you go back to um, his best performance on the European Tour, um, he lost a uh, playoff to uh, Wang at the Hassander Trophy in Morocco. Um, in Rabat and who won this year in Rabat Alex Levy so again if you're kind of trying to build this kind of little network of events and um, you know results that could inter- interlock you know, interact in some shape or form then um, you know, I think there's potentially a way to look at that there um, third at the Spanish Open behind John Rahm um, mm. fourth at Crans behind uh, Lucas Berrigard and and um, and uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, um, you know, obviously Lucas won last year. So again, you know, some some correlate, correlating form there as well. The other thing with Nacho is that he comes in with two consecutive top tens on this track, and he hits a lot of greens anyway. He's hitting a lot of greens at the moment, but when you look at his performances here, he's finished twenty first, miscut ninth, seventh from his four starts, and three of those, the three where he's made the weekend. He's putted at 1.64, 1.62, 1.68 on this track. He loves the greens here. He was one. So, he was 1.66 fifth for putting average at uh, European Masters two out. Yeah, seven. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's hitting greens. He's found a bit of form with his putter, um, and he's going back to a track where he has historically really performed well on the greens. I'll, so. be, I'll, I'll be boosting boosting him in the morning then. <laughs> um, and, and it's not the longest he's, he's certainly long enough but it's not the longest of players but sick for total driving here last year I think it suits his eye I think it suits his eye I think the greens he absolutely loves it um, you know being a Spaniard he's not going, you know he's just hopping over the uh, border isn't he effectively he looks like the kind of player to me that can actually manage his game off the tee because he can be in the top 10 for driving distance and then if, if it's a course that doesn't suit he's, he's in the four, you know top 40 for driving distance so he, he, yeah. clear, he clearly isn't a driver addict off the tee no 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 
No, and he's a big lad, you know, he's a big, powerful lad. I think you're right. I think he just, um, he reins it in a little bit to uh, to ensure that he um, finds enough fairways, finds enough greens and gives himself um, opportunities to make birdies. Um, I like it a lot, actually. I like that better quite a lot this week. Um, and finally, I've gone for two outsiders. Um, Jonathan Jigger-Thompson, who's been, uh, he's been impressing quite a lot over the last few weeks, hasn't he? Mm. Um, you know, he's another debutant, but um, but as I said before, I'm not entirely uh, concerned about that. Um, and you know, if you look at him, he, what he's been doing was he 12th uh, last week? He was uh, he lost out in the playoff, didn't he? So he was one of the, one of the four in the playoff at the um, made in Denmark. When, when, yeah, when when Wallace won, yeah, you know, he's getting getting closer and closer, um, and he puts well. He um, drives the ball a long way. There's, again, there's a lot to like about him coming to this particular track. And didn't you say he's well outside the one ten for his card next year? So he needs to he, keep performing well. Yeah, so he, he got through Q School last year. Finished eighteenth, so it gave, it gave him it gave him a status at least. Uh, but he's currently sitting one hundred forty third. So. Mm. Um, he needs a big week, and he needs a big week soon. And clearly, over the last few weeks, he has been producing some some decent paychecks. But he needs to get another one or two under his belt to uh, to push himself over that line um, for the end of the season. He was twenty fifth here last year, and you know he'd been playing on the Euro, Euro Pro Tour up to that point. Um, and this was only his second start um, on the European Tour proper, and he was just getting the odd invite here and there. But twenty fifth um, was how he fared last year. Um, and I, I get the feeling he's the kind of player that can uh, continue to improve. And I thought 150 to one was a mad price on that, to be honest. And the final one is the Frenchman Julian Guerrier, who's another big hitter, um, another player who's done well. He's got a couple of t- challenge tour wins under his under his belt, but he's really started to show some form on the European tour this year. So. Third in Oman, uh, sixth uh, at the Sicilian Open. Both of those tracks near the coast, and clearly we're not far from the coast where we are this week either. And um, third in Madeira in 2014 was his previous best um, performance on the European Tour. So again, not a million miles away from where we are um, this year. Um, started with a 65 at Crans, closed with a 66. You know, there's snippets of form there. Um, that suggests his game's not far away. 66 in the, in the third round at the Calum Open last week as well. So lots of little hints that he's doing okay. And um, when I've dug through his performance and performances in the past, putting on these bent grass or bent grass with a little bit of power, as we've got here, greens tends to be where he um, excels most when he gets uh, the putter going. So um, I quite like that again at... 150 to 1. He's 92nd in the race to Dubai, so his card should be just about safe. Um, but again, as we saw with Wu last week, who was 90th going into the event, uh, these guys have got a bit to fight for if they want to play in these big bucks events mm-hmm. at the end of the season. So um, it can bring the best out of some of these guys. So fingers crossed it's one of these this week. Who are you on, Barry? Who do you fancy? All of those. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. Compelling cases. I'm emptying the bank account. Uh, I've got. I've got. I haven't gone too deep into my research on this, but I have picked one so far. Um, another Frenchman is Benjamin Hebert, mm-hmm. who yeah, was cool. second for greens and reg last week, um, trending nicely with uh, what was he twenty fourth and eleventh the last two weeks. Very consistent. 23rd and Very 11th, yeah. And he has a top 10 here two years ago. So I've a small question mark in my head over whether he can get to that deeper level of scoring required to win it. But um, I'm, you know, um, ready to be surprised. So what I did do... I've got him, I've got him down on my... Um, my sheet here with a big DK next to it, so to, for me to include him in my DraftKings teams once I get the pricing for that. He's that kind of consistent player who can uh, score heavily, I think, in terms of in terms of uh, the fancy golf side of it. So yeah, so um, I got I took I decided to take the extra places rather than the price. I could have got him at sixty sixes, but I took him at fifty to one at eight places. So yeah. Um, and yeah, look if if. 
if he wins, amazing. Happy days. I won't be worried about the, the few points I sacrificed. I'm all over um, Smith and Nacho uh, based on Paul's confidence. The one that jumps out at me that's a big price for a player of his quality is Ross Fisher. I'm seeing 66 to 1, and yeah, he's playing terribly. But I've seen, you know, you look at Fisher's record. Um, he can play terribly, and all of a sudden he'll get, he'll get to a low-scoring event like the Dunhill Links, and he'll finish second. He finished yeah, second here. Was... Second here in 2012, eighth here. Uh, sorry, third here in 2008. Mm, little punt to nothing there. It, it, we know he's a quality player. It's just I think now this Ryder Cup rubbish has all ended in his mind, and he hasn't qualified. I, I think that played in his head for most of the season. But he is the sort that can go very low on these resort-style golf courses. Yeah, he, did, he certainly did play on his mind. I saw a few interviews where he was talking about, um, you know, trying too hard. I expect, yeah, absolutely. You know, to, to, you know, it affects your game. He was awful last week. Started with seventy-seven in, mm. in Holland, and uh, you know, just, just inevitably missed the cut from that point. But um, yeah, the, you know, he's, he's clearly better than that. So this is it. I mean, last year. Uh, miscut, miscut, 31st miscut. He then went to the Alfred Dunhill, second, second at the Italian Open. So it just needs the putter to click, something to click, and he's he's right on it. Yeah, I remember that stretch because he, yeah, he finished second in um, in Abu Dhabi as well That's at the right. start of the year. Yeah, he, he was so, one of the best players in the world at that point. He's just played well, some yeah, su- super golf. Just, yeah, just couldn't quite get over the line, could he? But um, he was producing some decent, decent rounds. He's the kind that would win this, and everyone would go, "Oh, bloody Ross Fisher, who's playing awfully, mm. but sixty-six to one." Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now I know that we're running out of time. I just wanted to highlight great week of golf, Tour Championship, Portugal Masters. They're also playing the Web.com Tour Championship over in the states, so the promotion, you know, they get promoted into the PGA Tour. And I just had a quick glance at it this morning. Uh, last year, won by Jonathan Bird, and we know with Jonathan Bird, Bermuda Bermuda grass monster, played as one at Kapalua and the like. Uh, Sam Saunders was uh, runner-up, and also, um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, Sean Stefani. Um, and all of them were in desperate need. So Bird was 66th in the, Feb- in the uh, rankings on, on the uh, web.com. Uh, Saunders was 24th, so 24th out of 25, pretty much on the bubble. And uh, we also had Stefani was way out of the rankings. So I've gone for four, uh, three players this week who, in my mind, I categorise as players that can go very low, players that are great on Bermuda grass greens, and players that have thrown just a little bit across um, these three Web.com Tour events before we got to this uh, final. I've gone for Aaron Badley at 40-1. to 1 who's actually hitting some greens, and we know that he can play well on Bermuda. He won the Barbaso a couple of years ago on the PGO Tour. I've gone for Fabian Gomez, the Argentine, who has got two PGO Tour victories on Bermuda grass and um, was in the top 10 last week. And I've also gone, and Paul will love this, I've gone for Matt Every. If there's not a Bermuda grass monster, Matt Every is the archetype of that. Two wins in Florida, of course, at Bay Hill. Also a second at the Disney event a few years ago. Um, 150 to 1 is available. I got him boosted on Ladbrokes to 190 to 1. I've also gone first round leader, 125 to 1. Um, he was in the top 10 two events ago at the DAP yeah, Championship. Showing form, yeah, showing a bit of form. Even last week, he was 18th at halfway, 23rd after 54 holes at the Boise. So those are my three that I'm going for at the uh, web.com tour championship. Just to throw a couple of penneth worth at that. Anything else to add, chaps? Or should we go and spend time with our clubs and families? No, all good, I think. All good. Best of luck, chaps. It was great uh, great to, to be back this week. Um, thank you for your time, Barry. Thank you for your time, Paul. We will be back again early next week with a specific special on the Ryder Cup. So we look forward to that. Thanks for your time, and we will see you again soon. Cheers.